This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to have James Dickey. He's the chairman for the Republican Party of Texas. And just so you know, the Texas Republican Party convention is actually the largest convention in the world, largest political convention in the world. And we're going to have him on the show and talk to him about, uh, well, what else? The Second Amendment. What's the stance for the Republican Party when it comes to the Second Amendment, especially right now, this year, today, in this time of, you know, school shootings and a lot of things are going around the country. A lot of different states, counties, cities are talking about uh, imposing some type of gun control. So we want to find out what's actually going to happen in Texas in 2019 uh, during our Texas legislature session. So we're going to find out, you know. What happened last week or the week before with the meeting with the governor? And what did he take away from that? So we'll get a, get a hit of all that and let you guys know. That way you'll know what's going on because I don't know what's happening. We're trying to dig in and find out, you know, how are we going to sit next year? So I'm actually kind of worried. Are you guys worried? I'm worried. Not worried? Mm-mm. Why aren't you worried? Are you worried, Felicia? I'm always worried the government's involved. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty worried. I'm not sure. You know what's going to happen because I, I'm looking at all the different states and different bills that are getting passed in other states uh, that are actually, you know, Republican leaning states. And I'm actually I'm kind of I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen. What do you think? Uh, I don't think any of them have our best interests in mind. Why do you say that? Well, I just don't think. Uh, I think money plays a bigger part in it. You know, back to the uh, NRA convention and the lack of. Uh, you know, talk about the Reciprocity Act or the Hearing Protection Act. I just don't think any of, you know, I don't think any politician has our best interests in mind. What do you think, Zach? Well, this is Texas. You know what we say in Texas. I know what the meme says. Yeah, come and take it. (laughs) (laughs) I know you type that, you type Texas in in a meme, in in the GIF. Is it the GIF? GIF? (laughs) Yeah, GIF. GIF, GIF? Yeah, no, I know what it says. There's nothing like Texas, a Lone Star State. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. All right. So uh, let me go ahead and and bring in James Dickey, uh, the chairman for the Texas Republican Party on line one. James, welcome to come and talk it, sir. 
Good afternoon, Michael. Good Pleasure af- to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Good afternoon, sir. All right. So uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and and, you know, we're happy that you're actually the chairman for the Texas Republican Party. At least I am. I don't know about anybody else. Uh, and, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you what have you accomplished this last year that you've been the chairman and, and how are we going to progress from there? Sure. The so my background was I'd been a I'd been a precinct chair and an election judge and then I became the county chair in Travis County and that's where we first met when you were a candidate on the ballot for uh, Travis County and then um, I as a county chair was responsible for raising funds and recruiting candidates and winning elections and we were able to you know expand our base and expand. Uh, the rep- the Republicans who were elected, even in Travis County, and then we're also able to uh, to really improve uh, the diversity of our candidate base, which was fantastic. Uh, also, recruit more precinct chairs. And then a year ago today, um, uh, two weeks before that, the prior state party chair had announced that he was going to resign, and he had a handpicked successor that he was hoping would take his place, but that successor had no experience raising money for a party or um, running on election or recruiting candidates or any of that stuff. And so um, I felt the responsibility to run, and I did, and won that election uh, among the SRC. And now I'm up for two weeks from a couple of days, about 12 days from now, I'm up for re-election for a full two-year term. Now, now, what do you what do you expect to accomplish here uh, this next your next term that you serve? Well, so because I was elected in the middle of the term, I didn't get elected till after the regular session was over and just before the special session began, and in fact, just a few days before the call for the special session went out. And so, one of the things I'm excited about in being in a being elected for a full term is that we'll have a chance to really promote and advance the principles from our platform for during the interim, during hearings, and also then uh, during a full session. Even though we had almost no time to ramp up for it for the special, uh, the governor's special session call had 20 items on it. Ten of those were straight out of our platform. So we fought and worked hard for those ten, got people uh, to contact their legislators. We got up there and, uh, and testified and worked for those. And as a result, we were able to get five of them uh, passed. And they're, you know, good things to have, like preventing a city from being able to annex you without a vote of the majority of the residents that they're trying to annex or not letting a hospital put a do not resuscitate order in your file without your approval or your family's approval. Um, so a good range of things that uh, uh, that were very helpful to have passed. But one of the things that I have uh, fought for for a while, uh, and one of the things that I testified for in the regular session last time, just as county chair from Travis County, I testified for what was then HB 375 um, for constitutional carry. And that's our current number one legislative priority. We'll see if it remains so two weeks from now once our convention is done. Uh, but uh, my commitment to the delegates and to all Republicans has been that I will fight for whatever is in our platform. And it's, it's a very strong pro 
natural right, you know, pro self defense, pro um, right to bear arms uh, platform. So I, I would, I do not expect that to change materially. Okay. And then what what are your thoughts with you know with everything that's going around? You know, the the talk of the town is uh, school safety, and a lot of people are concerned right. about that. Uh, so what's your take on? Or what do you think we should do with with school safety? Well, the 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 core difficulty with that is the, the question of can we eliminate? Uh, can we completely eliminate uh, risk? That that can we stop all attacks? And and I think anyone who thinks about it honestly says there's just there's just no way where you can stop all attacks. Um, but so then, you know, the right next question is asked is, you know, where do most mass killings occur and where they occur 97% of the time is in gun-free zones. So, you know, if, if you want to take, if we want to take an honest look at how do we prevent mass attacks, um, step one has got to be, um, eliminating, um, target-rich, you know, defense-free environments, which is what gun-free zones are. Is that something that you discussed with the governor this past week during his roundtable discussions? How are those going? Yeah, so we, um, the the roundtable discussions, there were a lot of people weren't included in those roundtable discussions. And and, um, I I think probably for obvious reasons, the, the party wasn't included in those discussions. Um, the, uh, you know, we, of course, the, a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah, three or four weeks ago, the state Republican executive committee, which is the board that, uh, I work with, uh, to run the party in between, uh, conventions passed a, a very good resolution on the right to keep and bear arms. And that resolution uh, was distributed by the party to all elected officials. And that obviously would have included the governor. Um, and we distributed that out. The The big thing I think we're going to do now that now that the governor's plan is out there and, and or actually his, you know, his rough proposal, his draft proposal is out there. Uh, I think it's important that we work with our all of our elected officials to make sure that what actually gets implemented um, is uh, it are, are things that actually take the right approach on uh, on gun safety and defense. Yeah, that was a hefty like forty five page proposal that he released earlier this week. Have you had the opportunity yeah. to kind of skim through that yet? Because I did. I don't know if I yeah. agree with all of his points, and I think that you can boil it down yeah. to getting rid of gun-free zones and then arming the teachers who want to be armed. I think that's going to be a better step. I didn't really like a lot of the rhetoric that he was using. Well, it's it's difficult because a lot a lot of the general statements and points are ones that we would all agree with. I mean, it's, it's uh, not hard to get agreement in a crowd of, you know, People who are seriously mental ill should not have access to weapons. Right. That that's a fairly easy statement to get agreement on. Um, the difficulty always comes in implementation, and in implementation, you know, the, the in the United States, we are founded on 
our natural rights and the presumption is innocence so proven guilty and and innocence until commission of a crime and and that that is difficult because of course we want to protect people and we want to uh, we want to try to prevent things from bad things from happening but um, the we we have to weigh that with protection of folks rights and um, and when the when inevitably a thing happens that you could not prevent, how do you then minimize its damage? And you know the the most straightforward answer for that consistently is um, allowing those who know and care and uh, about their their loved ones and those in their care to to protect themselves and those in their care and. Uh, yeah, uh, so well, the Marshall school Marshall deal sounds okay on its face, but then when you learn that you know the the, the school Marshall um, there, there's only one, and they have to keep the the weapon locked up in a given place, right, which automatically makes it um, not accessible or useful at all ninety percent of the time. Yeah, there's a, um, there's another program that's out there. I, I heard them talking about the school Marshall program. What they did not talk about is the there's a, another school program that that's a little different. You have the Marshall program that's taught by the TCOL, uh, your law enforcement agency, and then you have the other program, the other school safety program that's taught by an LTC instructor, where that teacher can actually keep the firearm on them, and it's a little less you know restrictive. You know, unlike the school right. marshal well, program, that, yeah, that obviously sounds more uh, more valid. I mean, the the, the bottom line, and, and this is a problem because at all levels of government, there's been limitations on our right to defend ourselves and our and those we love and those we want to take care of. Um, you know, the 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 whole gun free zone thing that you know that came from federal law. So we've got some we've got some difficulty and some challenges of you know we need to fix that at that level. Um, but uh, James John Griffin with the uh, Daily Caller here. Love having you on the show. Um, thanks so much for your comments. Thanks. Uh, quick question: uh, You mentioned limitations on freedom. Uh, speaking of limitations, your predecessor, okay, uh, was known to silence two thirds of convention delegates in 2016. You've given uh, given groups a voice that previously had no voice. Could you talk a little bit about that in the context of gun rights, the Second Amendment, and how we're going to protect uh, existing freedom here in the state of Texas through the Republican Party? And, I'm, and actually, I'm going to have you answer that question. We come back from the break. That's a great question, John. So we're going to answer that right after the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. On air, online, and on your smart device, Talk 1370 is the right choice.
welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back. We're talking about with the chairman for the Texas Republican Party. And just so you know, the Texas Republican Party convention is the largest political convention in the world. So it's a really big deal uh, when it comes down to elections, what's happening in Texas, because as goes Texas, we'll go the rest of the country. That's why we're we're talking today with the chairman for the Republican Party of Texas and talking about the Second Amendment, what it means to the Republican Party, what it means to him. And, John, you had a question. Go and ask that question one more time. Yes. Uh, Chairman Dickey, uh, you, your predecessor was known to silence uh, entire segments of the of the Republican Party here in Texas, including one famous vote where two thirds of standing delegates were told their vote didn't count in 2016. Now, you have a rep uh, as being the opposite kind of party leader. And I wanted to see if you could comment on how that type of open leadership of not putting your thumb on the scales uh, would transfer over into gun rights. I mean, how are you going to lead on gun rights to keep the politics of gun control from contaminating that uh, our rights here in Texas? Well, uh, actually, it's it's a good example, but maybe not in the way you would think. So I I have uh, fought pretty strongly for uh, for our gun rights for a while, uh, including before being chair of the party. What you know, the fact that I am a chairman who respects the rules and respects the authority of the delegation to the convention and their their ability to make the decision, um, it's actually going to reflect its uh, itself in the fact that I'm even though I feel strongly about gun rights stuff, I won't be out there promoting it. I trust the delegates, and I know. Texas Republican delegates to the convention well enough that I I have no doubt that they're going to come out, continue to come out with very strong um, pro-freedom, pro-self-defense, pro-anti-tyranny um, um, positions. But it really is their call, and I respect their ability to make that call so much that even on something that I some a couple of things that I feel most strongly about are you know life and and our right to protect our life, um, and so uh, even though I feel super strongly about those, I I won't be out advocating for it. Um, both because I feel that would be improper and because I, I have total confidence that the delegates are, gonna, are going to once again come out with a super strong position for Well, great, great comments, Chairman. I mean, that's, that's why the toxic attacks from your opponent, uh, who is funded by your predecessor, are so tragic. It's just because uh, you've been so open-handed and so uh, democratic in the way you've allowed things to proceed. Uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you. I very much appreciate that. All right. So, Chairman, uh, now this past two weeks, uh, well, the governor had his roundtable discussion and they came out this last week um, with the list of proposals and stuff like that. Did you and I know they asked you about this a little earlier, but did did you actually take part in the roundtable discussion at all? Um, no, they didn't have the party involved in the roundtable discussions. Okay, Uh, And and, so um, and I think. And, and, and I know they that's asked you, not necessary. right. I know they asked you that before, but I just want to get a little more into it. Um, <clears throat> now, what 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 are your thoughts on what actually came out from what the governor said? Um, I um, it it seemed clear to me that the governor governor that that the result um, the results that came out were. Um, were not 
that surprising given the list of participants. Right. Um, and and so the thing. Do, do you think? Uh, do you think to, that he, he could have uh, maybe include a little more of the grassroots? Well, we we had certainly encouraged that uh, there would be some participation from uh, grassroots uh, folks, and hopefully from you know uh, folks who are um, whose you know entire operation is around the um, is is around the topic, right? So that right. we specialize in how to how other states have done things and what they've done. Right. Um, now, do you, now, how do you think things are going to look next year, next session? Uh, do you think? We're actually going to take a step back in Texas. Do you think Texas is going to go like Florida? Florida actually came up and said they actually raised the age limit from 18 to 21 for all gun uh, gun sales. So you think that Texas will yeah, do something I, similar to that? I don't. I mean, I, I have uh, I have faith both in the. In our in the legislators that we currently have on the ballot are up and, and those who are who are returning, who are not on the ballot, um, both that uh, they would not be uh, likely to do that kind of thing. But but even more importantly, I have a lot of faith in uh, everyone else who cares about this issue and who knows and will know how to participate in the, you know, the, the good, open uh, process that we have in the legislature. Um, available to us as Texans, and so and then, uh, and we I, certainly. Sorry about that. And I know I that say, I mean, if, go, if, go ahead, if I am chairman, we'll certainly be encouraging people to take advantage of their opportunity to do that to to work with their legislators, to work with committees, to testify in the committees, to provide you know written information to 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 work that process significantly. Right, and then also another thing they were discussing was like um, raising the age limit. Right now, currently, the Texas law says if you're younger than 17 years of age, then, you know, you, you, you shouldn't have access to a readily dischargeable firearm. And so I think the talk now is talking about raising that to either 17 or younger than 18. Um, did you hear anything, anything about that at all? No, I, I did not hear specifics on that. But as the more... Ch- the more troubling parts uh, that people are trying to move forward, um, when those come up, I, I take comfort in the fact that our founders, having just come off not one but two revolutions in the, in the span of a generation, um, that they set up through our Constitution a, uh, a means of changing the law that uh, gives a whole lot of ways to make it hard to change. And so uh, there's a lot of natural inertia that we can uh, muster to prevent bad ideas from getting through. And while it makes it hard for us to to get good ideas through, like we, uh, witnessed by the difficulty in yet getting open carry or constitutional carry, sorry, um, passed, uh, it actually will work to our benefit uh, every time someone proposes. Uh, an idea that that would hinder freedom and safety. Okay, uh, Chairman Dickey, John Griffin with the Daily Caller. Uh, one final question: um, You've talked a lot about the process that we have uh, to allow uh, new ideas to be to be legislated. What about us simply enforcing the gun laws we already have on the books? Uh, any comments on that? 
That absolutely is something that should happen. I mean, we, we all found out to, uh, to our disappointment um, that there were significant failures of participation on existing law that made it easy for the Sutherland Spring shooter to, to buy the weapon that he used um, in that shooting. And, and that's tragic. Now, what I, what I try to remind people, though, is just because the, just because that was easy for him to legally buy a weapon, they should have never been able to illegally buy a weapon. Does not mean that had they, they enforced that law correctly and it was no longer easy for him to legally buy a weapon, doesn't mean that he wouldn't have just turned around and bought one illegally. So um, I don't want to make a false conclusion that um, just following that law would have, in fact, prevented that horrible tragedy. I, I, I would like to think it would, but I, it's, it does not necessarily lead from the conclusion. Well, you're right. I mean, 76% of all uh, gun-related uh, homicides are, are committed with guns bought on the street. So, so that would be a false equivalency, but no doubt, you know, it would be good if we could stop legislating for a minute and start enforcing no question. We should start. We should start there at the very least. And and we should always remember that the that the most important thing is allowing people to protect themselves and those they care about. And that's that's the fundamental thing. Every time someone says, "Well, teachers don't want to be armed, coaches don't want to be armed, school staff don't want to be armed." Um, we don't know that, and we don't need to uh, run a big survey or do anything else. We just need to stop being in the way of those who do want to exercise their constitutional rights to protect those they care about. Right, And I, I think, Texas, we really need to go on the, the offensive. We don't need to be on the defensive. Uh, I don't want to be on the defense you know, where I'm defending anything. We need to push forward and be on that offense, and I hope that you send that message Chairman Dickey, uh, to everyone that will listen, that Texas needs to stand up and lead the way. This is Texas, the Lone Star State. And there's no reason why we should not be the example of what the Second Amendment stands for. And we should not allow anyone, just because someone does something, we need to punish that person. And the good people should not have to pay for what this person has done. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit frustrating when I was testifying in favor of constitutional carry to, to have to say, you know, we're not even asking to be at the front of the, of, uh, the forefront of this fight for liberty. But come on, can't we at least be in the first 13? Um, right. At least yeah, in the top was, 10 or something. You got to get into that fight. All right. Awesome. Yeah, well, I want to thank exactly. you for coming on the show today. Uh, you're awesome. And, and, you know, good luck to you and uh, you're in the race that you're running and I'm sure things are going to come out. Okay. And we'll, we look forward to having you on uh, afterwards. If there's any Wonderful. state delegates or Republican party of Texas enthusiasts, this is just a reminder that Hill country young Republicans is hosting the chairman at central Texas Gunworks for an RPT town hall and state delegate training on Thursday, June 7th at seven. That was a lot of information, but you can go to our Facebook page, Hill country young Republicans and all the event details are there. All right, so definitely get involved. This is your opportunity to get involved in what's going on. If you're worried about uh, your Second Amendment rights, you're worried about any of your constitutional rights, this is the time to get involved and and talk to your elected officials. Let them know that you know what you want happen 
you know, this coming session because the Texas goes into session the odd years and it's coming up January 2019. So what do you want to happen? What do you what do you not want to happen? This is your chance to stand up and participate in the political process. Thank you, Chairman Dickey. We really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you all very much. Keep fighting. Absolutely. You have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. So, man, you know, this this shooter in Florida and I don't know if you I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to listen to the video that that actually was released by the news. I actually posted this video earlier uh, in the week and then I got shut down from Facebook for 24 hours for posting this video. I, I didn't even I didn't post it. I actually shared it. You know, it was shared like some thousand times or whatever it was. And then I actually was uh, one of the ones that actually got blocked for 24 hours for sharing the thought crime, Michael, the new free speech. And that's something I know. It's crazy. For 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And I was like, I don't understand. I'm sharing it alone with thousands of other people. Why did I get shut down for 24 hours? And the, and the, the originator didn't get shut down. But listen to some of what Nicholas Cruz had to say prior to doing his shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. My name is Nick, and I'm going to be the next school shooter of 2018. My goal is at least 20 people with an AR-15 and a couple tracer rounds. I think I can do a good time. Location is Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, Florida. It's going to be a big event. And when you see me on the news, you'll all know who I am. <laughs> You're all going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, we really need to we really need to stand up and put the onus on where it belongs. This person was reported to the FBI. This person was reported to the local police department the sheriff's department over 20 times this person had several complaints from other students other students contact law enforcement and nothing was done about this individual everyone knew that if something was to happen that was the person that was going to do it we need to put onus on where it belongs well and michael that's that's why i'm here today is to talk about every single example of federal and local law enforcement standing down in the face of these types of shootings and sometimes it's passive sometimes they simply know about what's going to happen ahead of time and no no actions are taken to prevent it and what what it comes down to is galveston and sutherland springs they're symptoms of a much larger problem specifically criminal negligence by federal law enforcement to justify mass gun grabs and that's unconscionable we need to relocalize the police michael or this is going to get worse now, what do you think about mental health? You think mental health is an issue? What should we do about mental health? Because a lot of people talk about that. If the police aren't willing to stop shooters when they know about them, then the profile of the shooter is irrelevant, isn't it? And let, I mean, let's look at some examples here. If that's not enough to make people angry, I mean, consider that every single recent shooting took place during official training exercises by the feds and local law enforcement for active shooters, which is neither here nor there. But look at Stoneman Douglas. The police stood down formally and intentionally avoided action to prevent loss of life, all while a joint training exercise for active shooters was scheduled that morning at the school. 
Aurora, Colorado, the Batman shooting. Colorado University was holding an identical drill the same day, only a couple miles away, featuring a gunman attacking a theater with the aid of explosives. The gunman who attacked the theater used a smoke bomb, just like in the training exercise. Virginia Tech, it was even more, uh, uh, more obscene. The feds ordered Virginia police to stand down. Local authorities were told to take no action to pursue the killer. I mean, again, the government, uh, did they let kids die, you know? Taft Union High School was a drill that went live. Staff participated in lockdown training, and only one hour later, a student armed with a 12-gauge shotgun opened fire. Okay, Boston Marathon bombing. Terrorist attack occurred the same day as controlled explosion drills by the Boston Bomb Squad. Weird, but probably unrelated, right? And finally, the most, most abhorrent, uh, Pulse nightclub. Very personal for a lot of us on this show. Department of Homeland Security subcontractor Omar Mateen. That's right, folks. He worked for the feds. Slaughtered clubgoers for ISIS. And as it turns out, was under investigation for a full two years, Michael, by the FBI. Nothing to see here. I mean, this is, this is the problem. The problem isn't that we don't know the profiles of these killers or how they're getting guns. The problem is we know that they're going to kill people and either do nothing about it or do nothing while it's happening. That's outrageous, and it must stop. Yes, yeah, government incompetence at best. You know, I was, I was thinking of this video that I saw this morning last night of an FBI agent that was off duty doing a little dance there and did a backflip. And then once he did the backflip, his gun fell out of his uh, his pants. And when he reached down to pick the gun up, he pulled the trigger. And when you look at the media, the news, they all say when the gun fell, it went off. And it no, that's not what happened. The gun fell. He reached down. He pulled the trigger when he picked the gun up and it went off. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere with the all-new Radio.com app. Check your phone's app store or visit Talk1370.com slash app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so let's travel over to Las Vegas. Let me go to Las Vegas and talk about what's happening in, in that great state. So apparently, uh, a school teacher was sending text messages to someone else bragging about the fact that she could, you know, she would be a better school shooter. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. A school teacher. And she said, you know, because I'm a female. So she said she could pull it off. So this happened in Las Vegas, and what happened a couple weeks ago is the police went in. Somehow they got act- they found out about her text messages and went in and arrested her. And and it was it was just this is completely crazy. And this usually happens around like the April the May time frame. I don't know what it is about April fifteen to the you know the end of May. Well, taxes for one. Things like this happen. You think that's what it is? It must be a coordinated uh, IRS. Effort. I don't think I don't think the young generation think about taxes, though. Well, they don't have anything to pay. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. And then uh, now let's take a look at uh, this is nine one one call over in what, where did this where did that happen? What state was that in? The Which cl- one? The FBI the, the one, agent? No, the one with the clown mask. 
It was a clown mask. It's a nine, little, it's, it was in Florida. In Florida, Little Caesar. Guy goes into Little Caesar with a clown mask. And the employee at the Little Caesars tried to defend himself uh, by you know throwing pizzas and stuff like that. I tell you, you got to be prepared when something you know crazy happens. You you need to think about what are the steps that you're going to take if something if someone was to come into your business, your home. What you know? What are you going to do? Yeah, that guy's lucky. He had a, a salt pizza readily available <laughs> to defend himself with. I know it's it's not funny, but we're going to listen to the nine one one call. Take a listen to this. I'm on 158 Ridgewood Avenue. I just shot somebody. 158 Ridgewood. He attacked me while I was closing my store. Okay, 158 Ridgewood? Yeah, please, please, hurry up. Okay, listen to me. You need to take a deep breath and you're in Daytona? <laughs> or Holly Hill? Holly Hill. Okay. Please help me, please. Uh, he hit me in the face with a piece of wood. Please help me. I think he's okay. dying. Please help. He's not breathing. Okay. I don't want to get close to him. He tried to stab me with a okay. with a pair of scissors. Hit me in the face with with a big piece okay. of wood. Yeah, so he said he tried to stab him with a pair of scissors, and he hit him in the face with a big piece of wood. And the employee said, you know, during the call, and he said he's bleeding all over the place, and he didn't want to get any close to him, get close to him at all. So this uh, a lot of crazy things that are happening. I think it's because of the weather. What do you think? It's hot. Yeah, that's it's crazy. 101 today. 101. I don't know. What do you think, Felicia? What should we do? I don't even know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I read an interesting article recently on the riot threshold. Okay. Have you heard of that? Well, no, what's that? It's the, it's the idea if, if, if a guy picks up a brick and throws it through a window, he has a threshold of zero. If one guy sees him do that and he decides that's a good idea, I'm going to do it, that guy has a threshold of one. And it keeps going to where somebody might need to see 100 people do it before they decide that they want to throw the brick through the window or 10,000 or however many people it takes before mm. if a million people do it, then it's like normal. And you know, is, then and that's, that's like what you're supposed to do. You know? Could that be why our, our shootings... The well, yeah, this, this was a this higher? was a theory about that. Like I was reading about, you know, theories on school shootings, and right. this riot threshold was part of the part of the theory, uh, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, the way people, certain people, legitimize and the difference in people and their their threshold and willingness to to do something. Yeah, take a look at this crazy Las Vegas teacher that threatened to kill people. She was quoted as saying. People will remember me. So she had that goal of, uh, you know, having a better count than the last shooter because you know that when something like this happens, all the news stations are going to pick it up. They're going to talk about the shooter. They're going to give a full profile, history, background, kill count. They're just going to talk about it for weeks on end, you know? Yeah, just like the kid in the uh, in the video was that was that Florida or the yeah. kid who was talking about being yeah I mean Nicholas just just like Cruz. him he's already talking about being famous you know he's and and he's already seen it done over and, and he over knows again. that he will be famous if he does that well it's instant media I mean that that has something to do with the riot threshold I think too is the instantaneous nature with which we can publicize uh, acts of violence like this and we play right into it it's one of the few things that. Uh, uh, that uh, little cretin from Stoneman Douglas had right, and that is let's not give shooters uh, this kind of attention. Let's just simply not talk about them. 
Yeah, well, they're they're actually learning, uh, and hopefully we can learn as well because uh, the thing of we need to have a different system set up in the school for what the sound's going to be if there's a school shooter. What's the sound going to be if there's a fire? You need to have two different you know, and maybe a there. warning in case the police have decided to not do anything about it. Yeah, and we, and we also need to control the, you know, the entrance and the exits. You know, uh, we need to get rid of you know, maybe not have such large schools, large facilities, maybe shrink them down a little bit. Plus, I think the teachers would actually like that a little better uh, and control that access. Have a police officer, especially at the elementary school and the middle schools. Uh, we don't have police officers at those places, resource officers. They the officers are usually at the high schools. So I think if we control that access, maybe have smaller schools, and then we can actually monitor people as they're coming, as they're coming in and going out every day. Well, I know a police officer on duty in Klein ISD, which is a big school district in Houston. And her biggest fear is that she's been told that procedure during a shooting is to simply not react. Now, she's, she's gone public with this. I'm going to bring a story out on this soon. Uh, but this is the norm now, Michael. If that's the norm, then no matter what precautions we take, people are still going to die. We, we depend on law enforcement to do their job. So there, you know, there are a couple things that we can do. Um, control the access. Add more officers. I think more officers is great. Some people don't like – people are against metal detectors. I don't know why. They work in the inner cities. The inner cities do not have – no school shootings in the inner city. And it works for them. So uh, I think I don't I don't have a problem with adding metal detectors if that's what it takes. We do that for our courtrooms. And Felicia, you're saying no. Why are you saying no, Felicia? Oh, no, I agree with you 100 percent. I think I brought that up the last time I was on the show was when's the last time that we had a school shooting in an inner city school? We don't. We don't. Because there's already officers. There's already metal detectors. They already have the clear and mesh backpacks. I think I'm the youngest person on the show right now. I graduated high school in 2009. We had controlled access points. Uh, we had officers on campus. Um, I, I went to school in Channelview, which is right outside of Houston. We had clear mesh backpacks in the 90s. This is not a new problem. People are, the social media is inundating us with all of this information. If we can protect our governor and our elected officials with freaking metal, metal detectors, detectors. <laughs> and state troopers at the entrance, then why the hell are we not protecting our kids? The tool is not the problem. Yeah, people the guarding people, these politicians mm-hmm. usually have automatic weapons. Because you don't have this problem at the Texas State Capitol. Mm-mm. There's a metal detector there. You can't even carry. <laughs> and and, and all license holders can carry in the Capitol. Yeah. Amen to that, Felicia. I mean, I've got to just remind people that Hillary Clinton, who's one of the most ardent uh, opponents of, of uh, gun rights, travels around with an army at all times around her. And these people mm-hmm. are carrying guns. So, yeah, why, why aren't we protecting our They're kids? They're the ruling the class. Got to protect them. So, you know, so let's go back to it once again. Controlling access, adding metal detectors, adding more officers. You know, if we put more money in adding more police officers, more feet on the ground, uh, I think that is a, 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 that's a better way of handling that because we don't have enough law enforcement maybe in those areas as it is. See, that's where you and I might differ. Why do you I, say that? Because once you start adding more people, then you have to pay them money and it's more cost. And well, where are we going to put, put money, money in, in 
how much money did the governor say he was going to spend on the, the things that he was million least, that he's right. proposing? Right, and so that's what I'm saying is if we we can put metal detectors in all the schools, but then arm the teachers. You don't necessarily need to pay a whole nother staff of people who are going to be told to stand down like they are in Houston. I, all of my friends are teachers. I personally am not maternal to so go into that field of work. What if you're in a school but, where, like, you're in Austin and you're in a school district in Austin and they don't want to carry? Then what do you do? Well, on an individual basis, maybe. Yeah. So if there is not a single teacher in a, in, a, in any school who doesn't want to carry, there's which a possibility I, that, which, could, that could happen here in, in well, Austin. There, there's a teacher in yeah, Florida Austin. There's, who wants to. Yeah. To there's carry two a gun. teachers listening probably right now that I know work in Austin who would carry for their kids. You don't understand the relationship teachers have with their kids. Mm-hmm. They're with them, you know, forty hours a week at a minimum. They love these guys. You know, they love their kids. It's and parental. Exactly. And so they would kill for them if needed. Now, if there is, let's say there's 10 schools, two of them don't have someone who wants to carry. It's a whole lot cheaper to staff law enforcement at two schools than 10 schools when you don't need to. On a case-by-case basis. Say it again? On a case-by-case basis, really, I think she's right. We don't have to do an, uh, an all-of-the-above standard. Uh, we don't have to do a one-size-fits-all funding program here. We can uh, we can equip schools with law enforcement officers who require them and schools that have enough volunteer staff that are willing to, to go through licensing. Then that solves the cost problem, and that would be the the arguably the biggest uh, the biggest opposition we'd face from the left is cost, and so that would uh, pare that down quite a bit. We're over in uh, Maryland. You had uh, three days before the shooting in Santa Fe, Texas, a small group of students at a Bowie High School. It's not the one in Texas. The Bowie High School that's in Maryland pulled a senior prank that the local police chief called reckless. You know, they wore black masks covering their faces and some wore dark clothing. And basically they went in and set off fireworks and everything. What else did they do? (laughs) Those kids make me mad. They brought water guns to the school, fireworks, and just caused mayhem. Those kids need to be taken out in public and just spanked or something. No, don't beat, your, don't beat your kids. I was watching CNN the other I'll day. I'll beat the kids. I was watching CNN, and, and they were talking about the president, you know, because CNN's all about, you know, Trump this and Trump that. You were that. watching CNN. Yes, oh yes, my Trump God. this, Trump that. That's, that's like, can we talk about what's going on, you know, in the world right now? And they had this young lady that was on there, and she was going on and on and on, and then she had her little kid right in front of her. And sitting on the floor, you couldn't see the kid until the kid started jumping and bouncing and bouncing. And then she smacked the kid right there on live TV. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) I I don't have any bad thoughts about getting spanked. I've turned out okay, right? (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. We need a little more of that. Bring back corporal punishment. Amen. An interesting interesting thing that we're talking about, and I I do want to touch on this, is we want teachers who are willing to protect kids, but also teachers who are willing to shoot kids. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Stickland, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. 
All right, so you're making fun of me back there, producer. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did. We went out and tore up the town when uh, Ed Balls was in town from uh, the UK, the former member of parliament. We took him out to uh, Oil Can Harry's there, and yeah, we tore up the town a little bit. And I went ahead and released the video because I knew Felicia was going to put it out there. I saw it to Jay, and I was like, and son I, of a gun. <laughs> I figured I'll put it out <laughs> there, there first. There all of my leverage on Michael. <laughs> there would be no blackmail going on here, so yeah. That's okay. I'm sure I'll get some dirt on you at the convention. <laughs> We're sharing a hotel. Of course, it was a labor member of parliament. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, so we had to, you know... Bring downtown Austin and let him tear it to town a little bit. And he's a he's a crazy guy. He, we had a lot of fun. It was great. And I had to drop it like it's hot. Yeah, those are some sick <laughs> dance moves. That's right. Michael. I, I got a lot of back going on back there, and I had to let everyone know. <laughs> All right, so Kyle Austin, who's running for uh, state rep, he actually says that, that what we need to do is uh, more freedom equals less crime. Allow each teacher with the freedom to carry if they want if we get the if we get less than a minimum number that would be sufficient to defend the school, then supply the rest of the needed force with trained officers. Uh, though it would be much better to privatize the educational system and allow each school uh, to govern itself, which I don't know how you're going to do that. You got to call and explain that one to me, Kyle, because I don't think privatizing the educational system is going to work. My goodness, the government can't even afford to keep up. So when you know, and, and I think well, I mean, some of that our t- in and of itself is an argument. What <laughs> what's more efficient, the United States Postal Service or Ooh. Amazon? Ooh. Who would you rather have run our run De- our education system? Definitely I don't know. Amazon. Amazon is CIA funded and it's got that radical lefty Bezos at the helm. I'm not sure I would trust him too much. All right, I'll, I'll take He'll Amazon coffee to me every two weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely take Amazon over that. And then he says the schools that allowed their teachers to arm themselves will be better equipped to stop threats, which will in time prove they are safer, which will make parents begin to only send their kids to those kinds of schools. Capitalism can solve school shootings when we are given more freedom. That's under the assumption that we get school choice, right? Because right now you have to go to the school in the district in which you live. Where you live. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that I think what we should do, and thanks, Kyle, for, uh, for sending that to us, but here's what I think we should do. So control the access and also... Letting the teachers carry that want to carry, adding more officers to the schools, and also cameras, allowing the teach the parents access to the cameras. If parents can see and, and add cameras in every classroom, that eliminate a lot of your problems. That eliminate your different fights that you're seeing. You know, different things you're seeing in the hallway. If kids know they're being watched, their their parents can actually see them. I guarantee you that will stop the bullying, which is what. The real problem is all about bullying. Well, and, and Michael, uh, parents currently have that right under Texas Education Code Chapter 25 and 26. I they may believe. have the right, but they don't have access to it yet. Well, and we need to make <laughs> sure they know they can exercise that right. We did that with lesson plans a few years ago, and, and parents were able to demand access to those. We need to just have more parents aware of their rights. Um, you can demand to see that footage today, folks. Well, they need. I think parents should have access to the live feed. So while they're sitting at work, you know, they're they're at home, whatever. They can actually log into the cameras and see exactly what's happening at the school and see where their kids doing. Uh, now, I don't know. It might be a bad idea. I think it's a great it idea. Just on Friday, two elementary school teachers were caught having sex in a classroom in Lee County. In Texas? With each other or with students? It's kind of an important with distinction. Each other. <laughs> it was in the school. 
you're kind of excited about that one. Um, tell us about these teachers. <laughs> uh, a couple of fifth grade teachers. Uh, th- they no longer work at the school. <laughs> oh man, uh, womp womp. That's too bad. Yeah, but I, th- I think that would cut down on a lot. That would cut down on your bullying problem because we're not addressing the issue of bullying. I didn't see anything from what the governor laid out that would address how we're going to stop bullying. Because obviously this kid, you know, the one in Florida, uh, the one in Texas, there are some issues going on at that school. He had, They had some problems, and those problems are not being addressed. We're not addressing what the actual problem is. We're actually focusing on the symptoms. We're always focusing on guns. We're focusing on, you know, definitely punishing parents. I, I agree with that. But we're still not going back to the school and say, OK, how can we fix this? Because why are we raising a school shooter? You know, why are we, you know, building this person up to be this this shooter? Anybody? Well, it's kind of hard when you don't know that they're going to be a shooter. I, I think it's oh, they less, know. They always it's know. Chi- it's chicken or There's egg. nothing surprising about any of these well, kids. Well, that was my point with law enforcement is we know the profile and we oftentimes know that they're planning it before it occurs and do nothing. So in terms of us building the shooter up, I think that's a chicken or egg. I mean we, we really can't say that every troubled student is going to suddenly grab a gun and, and start killing their classmates. Uh, there is a profile, but there's also room for the human dimension. And uh, that's that's why it's so important that law enforcement do the jobs we trust them to do, Michael. So are you saying that every suspected kid should be detained? Are you saying that Absolutely more not. feds I'm saying and the more – are you saying that more I'm feds and more cops should take action? No, like I mean look at the examples more... I provided. I mean uh, Pulse Nightclub oh, is the you, most What are prominent. you saying? What's the solution I, I'm to, saying the, to the neglect of law enforcement? I'm saying that when we have evidence of a student who is planning to kill people as we have in at least five different cases like this that I, that I discussed earlier in the show – that we actually take uh, take action to apprehend that student. I'm not saying we install a police state. In fact, I favor less of, of some of the things that Michael favors. I, I favor a lighter touch and a common sense approach to preventing these Look, I don't know how many people make threats. I don't know about that that teacher who made text, you know, who I don't know how her texts were intercepted through the Patriot Act or I don't know how the or whether she was reported. Well, who she sent it to actually reported. Right, right, exactly. So I, I don't know how many people make threats, but there's a lot of people out there that make threats. So I mean, Let's how do you how do you discern? How do you discern besides hindsight? Okay, besides hindsight, after somebody already commits an act, mm-hmm. how do we discern who the threats are? I mean, are you? Would you like me to answer your question? Let's look at common sense here. Stoneman Douglas, we had we had cops doing a training exercise in the school that morning, and they were given stand-down orders when the shooting occurred. We can control not giving stand-down orders. We can control not letting more people die and cops doing the opposite of what is their job during an active shooter scenario. So that's what I'm talking about is common sense. I don't want George Orwell. I actually don't favor cameras. Um, okay, well, I, I stand, favor, out, stand on orders. That's, say, that's not answering my question. Okay. What do we do about the people who are making threats? Do we, uh, do we question and detain what about the everybody that who are, makes threats? What about the people that are shooting? Uh, what about actually stopping them when they're shooting? Okay, Sure, that's, that's, not, that's not my question. Well, my in, question in is only, in only the three, people that make threats. In only three of the you're, cases you're, you're that I've got. You're lumping that into the neglect. Well, in only three of the cases I've got here have people had uh, advance information on a planned shooting. And you're talking about ob- obtaining, uh, obtaining information that's, that, again, really is, is, a, uh, is kind of um, – a hypothetical. We, we don't and shouldn't be able to obtain 
communications without warrant okay, or without uh, a proper court order on these individuals. We only have done that in a few cases. In the, in the, um, in the Pulse nightclub shooting, this is a good example of us knowing about someone for two years. Okay, he was under investigation by the FBI for two years. We gave him national security clearance, military training, and we let this guy function on DHS. That kind of crap we can prevent, sir. And another example of that is Fort Hood, where we had a known al-Qaeda operative, again, under surveillance for years by the FBI, and they left him alone. So when you have that kind of, uh, of stupid, okay, thick-headedness in law enforcement – that's the kind of stuff we can prevent, and that's what I'm talking about. I don't know about, you know, uh, uh, some sort of mystical advanced knowledge of a shooter. I don't think we can provide that legally. We can, however, in, in, insist rather that cops I, do I don't their think jobs. I would go as far as to say that he was an Al Qaeda operative. Because he was he, talking he was in, in an he emails with Al Qaeda. He was emailing Al Qaeda yeah. and and positively and favorably. That's kind of the same thing, isn't yeah. it? I don't know. I don't know. I would. I would I don't know about that. So that one, not, there, I, there's a line between police and emails had and preservation Allahu Akbar of our privacy. Them. Okay, the, there, the there's, FBI there's was the investigating. Of our he, he he had multiple emails back and forth with Al Qaeda, and they were affirmational. I would say that's a big red flag. Okay, now what were you saying? Uh, I think there's a there's a there's a line between police neglect and preservation of our privacy, our liberty. Okay, and I'm not prepared to say that not. Arresting, detaining, questioning everybody that makes threats is, is going to help. Well, I that's mean, not my argument, and that's a, a straw man well, then if you're, you're then saying your, it then is. your argument is my that argument in hindsight, is examples these, of, people, no. these people should have been no, – no, that no, they no. should have done this because now you know they're well, shooters, well, of course. but they should have known that before. Okay, well, okay how this is getting a little that? silly. It's an argument for argument's sake. I am not saying what you're saying I'm saying. In fact, I'm saying that the police knew in some cases years in advance about the violent intent of these individuals and did nothing that is something that can be prevented that is their job description sir and they're not living up to their job description that isn't a a uh, a straw man hindsight argument that is a very rational one the shooter in florida had the police called on him over 20 times 39 times 39 times exactly right yeah now um someone just said you know why should we blame the parents why should we not blame the parents when so when a kid gets access to a firearm? You know, because his his his, I don't I, that I don't understand. Why would you not blame the parents? You allow a kid, you allowed someone to get access to a firearm, and they did something with it. So yes, you should also pl- some of the blame should be laid with you. If it was that's the, crystal clear to me. If I, it was the parents' firearm, absolutely. I, <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. If they didn't go buy it on the street, if they got it from their parents, so you know, was, then yeah. absolutely. So how can you how can you even question question, you know, not blaming the parents for, you know, allowing them access to it? Well, his comment also says, quote unquote, believing he's competent. If your child is to a point where they want to shoot up their school, there are going to be signs. <laughs> and the argument of blaming the parent and holding the parent accountable wanted your child. You're accountable and if you for their didn't even, As the parent, if you didn't even see the sign, that's sad. Exactly. And You're not two, a good parent. Something's wrong with you and you need to be punished and you need to pay for that because you did not pay attention to your child, the person that you brought into this world. Parents needs to be spanked too, you know. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just had I mean, to go on a tangent for a second. It's fine. Michael likes to yell the things that I would <laughs> say calmly. Um, but yeah, 
if they're if your child is going to be a school shooter or going to hurt themselves even there's going to be signs and you need to put down your social media and pay attention to your kid and be there and if you're not then it then the blame lies on you sorry it sucks but it's just kind of a cookie crumbles on that one well, it's like Columbine. I mean, the kids were wearing trench coats and, and uh, had Nazi memorabilia and were reading Mein Kampf for months before they went and shot up, shot up Columbine. And the parents still to this day maintain that they were respecting their child's privacy. Give me a break. Uh, right here in Texas. I have privacy when I was a kid. Are Thank you, you kidding me? <laughs> Thank you. Thank My you. windows were like glued shut. They Thank were like, you. hope doesn't catch on fire because <laughs> you're going to have to get to the door. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There I, was a top mm. latch on the door. I'm five foot three. I couldn't reach it. I couldn't go anywhere. The rule, the rule was have no doors get locked in this house. That was the rule. My door yeah. didn't even have a lock. Right. Like they would do like random searches. Like I need to see your phone and computer. I'm like, my uh, cousin had okay. her door taken <laughs> off of the hinges at one. My cousin had her door taken off the hinges at one point for uh, doing the whole privacy thing. We had a landline, so my parents could just pick up the other phone and listen to my entire conversation. Exactly. Back in the day? Like the computer, our one computer was in the common area. Right. And they could walk behind you and see whatever they wanted to see. Parents need to be more attentive. They need, I don't know when parenting got soft. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't have kids, so maybe I I I think social media, I, I think it makes it easier to hide. It's an escape, it's a place where kids can escape. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I and I agree, and I think that there should be no place for social media in schools. Like, when you walk into a classroom, you put your phone in a basket, we're here to learn, period, end of discussion, with, which would help a lot with... Or with no the, internet. With... No no connectivity. Block. Well, no. I don't agree with that. Yeah, something happened because, and there's an emergency... I don't know. Right, yeah. right, right. I'm, I'm thinking online, online learning. But yeah, outside of computers like with online learning, why should they have personal phone access? I mean, doesn't the, isn't the teacher having online access maybe enough for safety considerations? I mean, I, I like the basket thing. You know, walk into the room and then there's a spot for you to put your phone. There are a lot of children in this world very, very lucky that I didn't decided to not be a teacher. Yeah, I think that's a great <laughs> idea. That's a good because, idea. Because, like, we're here to learn. I don't care about your Snapchat, your Instagram, your Facebook, your social. I don't care. Put it in the basket. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Listen to Talk 1370 anytime, anywhere on the Radio.com app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. Get knocked down, get back up again. You know, Derek, I, I, I just don't get it. You know, if that child gets access to a, whatever tool that is, and it's something that the parents should have had locked up, doesn't matter. Yes, the parents should be held accountable as well. If, you, you know, you, if your, your child gets your car grabs your car and drives down the road, you're going to be held accountable for that. Whether you're going to get sued or whatever, you're going to be held accountable. And I guarantee you, his father is going to get sued. Guarantee you that. Anyone doubt that? Mm -mm. (laughs) Anyone doubt it? 
Now, oh. and that's the bottom line. You know why? Because in the civil case, they're going to find that he was liable. That's why. Based on gun laws that are already on the books. Right. Uh, it, it's not parenting, quote unquote. If your child, if your child is building a freaking bomb in the garage, your kid is, you know, building whatever, and you you have no idea what's going on in your house. You're a terrible parent, a lousy parent. If you can't, if you can't control the access to your guns, I mean, that's there's two types of gun control I believe in: controlling your recoil and controlling the access to your guns. If you can't keep your guns uh, away from people, away from your kids, away from criminals, then you shouldn't have them. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with owning a gun. That's part of it. And that's one of the things that, you know, we here agree with. You know, we, I agree with that. Absolutely. So, you know, that's that's going to – man, the family. The family is a, is a powerful entity. And you should know – I know, you know, the people that are in my family that should not have access to firearms. I know the people in my family that should not have a car that should get their driver's license taken away. Even my great grandfather, we went we went as far to take my great grandfather down to the DMV to force them to give him a driving test so they can take his driver's license away because it was time for him to lose it. You know, the family is really important when it comes to that sort of thing. And, you know, you know, as a family, when something is wrong with someone in your family and and and, especially if you're living in this same 1,500 feet as one another. Yeah, and we're not talking, exactly. Like, we're you're living, we're, right there. Open your eyes and pay attention. We're not talking about, you know, cousin so-and-so, so-and-so who lives in another city. Yeah. I'm talking about we live in the same household. Exactly. 100%. Typically, like, a couple hundred feet away from one another. You know, I mean, I'm going to be a little old-fashioned right now, but sit down, have a meal with your kid. Ask them, how was your day? What's going on? And yeah, this, the kids are going to lie. If there's something going on, they're going to lie. But it is your job as a parent and their guardian to pry, talk to their teacher, see what's going on. They're, they're, their brain is not fully developed. They're not going to be able to hide things from you long term if you were paying attention. And the issue is right now people aren't paying attention. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think it was the last show I was on. We were talking about the parents taking a Facebook break. Or something hmm. like that, or somebody. I, I read yeah, something. Yeah, your friend like, Felicia, uh, the kid wanted help I with had the a homework. Friend, yeah, who right. got in trouble because she wasn't doing her homework because she didn't know how. And her teacher's like, "Look, why aren't you doing your homework? It's been going on for weeks now." And she says, "I can't. I don't understand, and I can't ask my mom for help because I get in trouble because it's her Facebook time." Yeah. So parents and social media is a whole other issue that is just more messed up. Uh, and and that kind of neglect, like that is just that blows my mind. And as more audio comes out, you know, I'm not when I listen to the audio of what the shooters are saying, I'm not listening to the things they're saying about what they're going to do. I'm listening to what they're saying is how they got to that point. There's key things that this guy said in that video that he talked about, you know, people and no one's listening to that. Well, I mean, look, Michael, this is compound interest. It's cultural desensitization on a mass scale, and it's been going on for decades now. And it gets incrementally worse with each new generation. We get more permissive. Parents uh, start trusting the state, the TV, the school, whatever you want to say, to raise their kids instead of them raising their kids. And that's, that's ultimately a problem that starts in the home. What can we do about it in society? Well, 
We can tighten our locks. We can make things more safe. We can't eliminate the human element here. And the human element is scarier than the actual shootings. It's, it's a, a level of moral desensitization in kids. Uh, and we can blame video games. We can blame TV. We can blame a lot of things. But it's real, and we got to tackle it. And then, go ahead. I know that this show is kind of controversial, but have y'all heard of the show 13 Reasons Why? Mm-mm. Okay, well, they, they just released the second season a couple weeks ago, and I'm a Netflixer, and I binge-watched it, of course. Um, and it actually kind of goes in into how there were signs, and it kind of shows the limitations that are put on the school by the state, which is very frustrating. It also shows that parents weren't truly paying attention. Mm. And it shows how bad bullying has gotten in our schools. Mm. And there's, um, there's like, behind-the-scenes episodes after the show, too. And they talked to law enforcement officers. There's, like, a whole trial segment to it. And I would really suggest it. Even if you didn't watch the first season, I would watch it just so you kind of understand what our kids are going through right now, the limitations that the school has in order to help, and how important it is that the parents pay attention to what's going on. And then we have to be better, again, as humans. We have to be better as a society, or it's just going to continue getting worse. Right. You're right. Got to spend that time and, and listen to your kids and and ask them questions. You know, how, just like you said, how was your day? You know, what's going on? You know, spend that time uh, turning off the TV, maybe sitting down at the dinner table and, you know, not sitting in front of the TV. Because, I, I, you know, we actually had to do that today. I don't have any kids, but I was, you know, I, I get into the habit of, you know, grabbing my food and maybe going, you know, upstairs or, you know, sitting in front of a TV and eating. And today we decided, you know, no, we need to sit at the table and talk. Yeah. You my know? parents would ask me every day, hey, Felicia, how was school? It was fine. And I said it was fine every single day for probably my entire school career. But because we even had a semblance of that conversation, when something wasn't okay or I had a problem, I was like, hey, you know, today wasn't really okay. And we talked about it. And once you talk about it, that's the first step in fixing the issue and fixing the problem. And then and when it comes to bullying and all this stuff, someone's got to be the bigger person. Because uh, I was sitting in a place one a uh, couple of days ago, and someone got mad at me about something. I said, oh, "You know what? Hold on. Before you get up, don't get upset with me. Here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy you a shot. <laughs> I'll just buy you a drink. So it's let's hard just do that with 16 year olds. Yeah, let's just, though, you know. that's true. But well, let's just have a let's just have a let's just have a drink and 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 you know and forget what I you know that you're upset with me about whatever I said and whatever. Because they usually you know they get upset because you know we're you know, we. We're strong in our convictions. We're strong in our stance when it comes to, you know, the constitutional rights and the Second Amendment and all that stuff. And I'm not going to waver on that. And so, you know, people tend to get definitely tend to get upset, but it's OK. You know, we, we need to teach kids uh, traditional resistance methods, too, in self-defense. Uh, I mean, not violence, but I mean, when, when I was a kid and I was bullied, I knew that it could come to blows and I knew how to defend myself. And that, that's a quality that is being suppressed now. In school environments, so you have a lot of pent-up rage in adolescence uh, that you didn't have uh, generations ago because they're not – they don't feel like uh, they're, they're allowed to defend themselves from a bully. And the teachers often will punish uh, the entire class for the actions of one with the mistaken I- ideology that the, the bully will learn his lesson because the kids will gang up on him. That's, that's really bad teaching, uh, teaching methodology, and it does not work. Right. 
And we got definitely have to pay attention because the signs are there. The signs are always there. They're always there. We're never surprised on who does something. You're never surprised when that person walks in and does, you know, uh, robs the bank or, or does whatever. You know, you, you see it coming. You always see it coming. It's always there. So recognize the signs and talk to each other. You know, you're sitting in traffic right now, you know, on I-35. You're sitting in traffic on slow pack or whatever it is or wherever you are. And you're having a problem with that person in front of you. Just back off the gas and just let it go. I think we need to be a little nicer to each other. Calm down a little bit. It's hot outside. Everyone's angry about something that's going on in their life, and somehow you guys have come together. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 